Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. The international window is done and dusted and we're back at it with EPL Insights. All your picks and prognostication from the Premier League. Gareth Wheeler and Jake Osgathorpe with you as we dig into game week number five. How did the international window go for you, Jake? Busy as ever? Um, yeah, busy, but not actually doing any football-related stuff. I, I didn't really watch any football international. I, I caught one England game, which was a qualifier. Wish I hadn't watched that because that was a dull, dull affair. Um, but other than that, I caught the back end of the Scotland match. That was it. Yeah, just a nice, a nice week off it, really. Um, and obviously, you come back and you just check in, see if there's any injuries on international break. You know, if there's anything that could have potentially affect your plays. Um, you know, where the South American teams have been playing, how long. You know, what, what kind of short turnaround are they looking at? For example, Darwin Nunez playing in uh, Uruguay, played against Ecuador, I think, yesterday. So he's got effectively three days just before Liverpool play Wolves. So. Will he be given the nod to start? How will that affect Liverpool's chances, etc.? So, yeah, quiet international break. And then all of a sudden, it just straight back into 100 miles an hour. What, what's craziest for me is that uh, Lavia is probably the most significant injury. And it happened during the international break, but he wasn't even actually on international duty. <laughs> uh, it, it was a weird one for me because typically I'm calling Canada games and they didn't play this window. I just think that this is the most useless international window there is because all the domestic seasons are just getting fired up. Then all of a sudden you go away. So it, it didn't break my heart that there wasn't games this time around. And here domestically in Canada, the Canadian Premier League plays through the international window and there's plenty of football to follow along and cover over the course of the break. So I'm kind of with you. The international football, I watched the highlights, I, I kept up with what was happening, but I watched very little of it. I'm just excited to get back at it in terms of the Premier League picture here, because game week four, we both left on a high, both had a profitable week, Jake, uh, coming home. Uh, I guess we can thank the fourth goal in the Arsenal-Manchester United game, cutting to tipping us and putting us over the top in game week four. It was a while ago and the window slammed shut right before those final games were played before the window. Anything stand out uh, for you from those final uh, games that were played? I guess it was the first weekend of September, I guess. Um, not particularly, no. I'm still waiting for Diogo Dallo to stop sliding. Um, Gabriel Jesus really sent him for a hot dog, didn't he? Um, it reminds me of that uh, that Neymar commercial. I forget, I think it was a World Cup in 2010 in South yeah. Africa. This commercial, we just kept on sliding and sliding and sliding through, but diving for a different reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, other than that, it was like I fancied Arsenal to win the game. I thought that they would win the game. Um, obviously, United's defensive issues have, don't seem to have got any better. Um, you know, Harry Maguire look he might get called upon this week. He's played both games for England, so you know he's he's got that at least minutes under his belt. Didn't play great. He was at fault for the Ukraine goal, and then obviously scored no goal against Scotland. But um, that's something interesting to keep an eye on from a Manchester United standpoint, just because of their. The, the number of injuries. Um, Aston Villa were an interesting one. Um, obviously got well beaten by Liverpool 3-0 after they got hammered by Newcastle 5-1. Um, Seem to be struggling whenever they face a decent opponent away from home. I think they're at Karma Waters this weekend playing Crystal Palace at home, but um, one to keep an eye on for if, when they do travel to, say, uh, you know, Tottenham maybe in a few weeks or Manchester City, that they could be on the end of another hiding unless they change their change their approach. Um, and yeah, Brighton are just brilliant, aren't they? We'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've been backing Brighton from the get-go and I'm feeling very good about that, especially the way that the window closed as well. Uh, Jake, you made a profit of over a unit. You're just about level on the season as of right now. I made two units profit last wind, uh, in the final window. Five games were right. The Palace outright certainly helped. Overs in the in the Brighton-Newcastle. Last minute 
like I said, Arsenal United, as well as a last minute, both teams to score Luton Town and West Ham United <laughs> as well. So it was tight uh, last week, but I have a season profit of almost four units so far. So let's keep that rolling. Things that stand out to me more than anything else, nine out of 10 games went over two and a half goals again in game week four. And that came after seven games out of the 10 went over two and a half goals in game week three as well in game week four. Eight both teams to score, yes, came through. Uh, I've been riding these trends where the goals have been, are being scored really by both sides and the totals have just been getting smashed. Is this something that you're really taking a look at and something that may be able to continue here? Um, it's, a, it's a tricky one because we had 41 goals in the last game week, so an average of 4.1 per game. Like that's not going to continue. I think there were some favourable matchups. Um, there's some, you know, high-scoring teams playing against each other. There was some, even like the Sheffield United-Everton game, you could put that in a category of both teams perhaps seeing that as must-win against, um, you know, relatively weak opponents. So, yeah, I would probably take that with a pinch of salt. I don't, like, I, I do think it's going to continue to be high-scoring, but not super high-scoring. And looking at the slate this week, I've actually found myself picking out a few underbets, which I didn't think oh. I would. But I just think that this, this, how it sets up um, some of the matchups. You've got teams that are really good playing against teams that are really bad. And generally what happens there is that the bad team, unless they are a progressive kind of thinking club like a Burnley, who will just continue playing their same style of football no matter who they're playing against, then they will sit back and, and try and limit the damage. And, and you know, there's a couple that I've highlighted this week that I think will follow that pattern. Um, I hope I'm wrong because I obviously want loads of entertainment. But um, yeah, I think this could be a weekend where we see the goal line drop. And the other thing to consider as well is that the team's playing in Europe as well for the first yep. time the following midweek. So will they not so much pull the punches, but will they be going for the throat or will they look to, you know, if they get two in a low, will they be happy to just kind of contain and rest and rotate? So, yeah, that always things that, that we need to think about when we're, we're, you know, prognosticating and coming up with our, our picks. Um Honestly, based upon my picks this week, looking ahead, I hope that goal scoring party continues. Let's put it that way, <laughs> with their picks to come in a few moments time. We also kind of speculated the last time we got together about what the lay of the land would look like when the transfer window closed. There, there was some considerable movement uh, right up until the, the transfer deadline. Liverpool landed Gravenberch, United Amberbat uh, goes there. Brennan Johnson, an impressive move to Spurs. Uh, Fati to Brighton on loan. That, that's a standout move right there. And Nottingham Forest, I mean, they just couldn't help themselves, could they? Sangari looks like a really decent pickup, but they were wheeling and dealing uh, right up until the deadline as well. Uh, any moves that stand out for you? Any ones that could potentially change the way that you look at the table or, or, or may weigh on any of these sides' um, fortunes in the coming weeks and months? Um, not particularly, no. Um, I'm a fan of Sangara. I think he could be interested uh, at Forest. Um, yeah, the, the Amrabat one could work. It's just about getting him fit. Um, I think, you know, he, he's been signed. He's got an injury. So similar to what happened with Hoyland, he's brought into the club, um, even though he has an injury. So he's not going to be walking straight into the team and, and competing straight away. Apart from that, like Gravenberch, I've not seen much of him. I don't think anyone's seen much of him at Bayern Munich. Um, they've, incredibly actually made a profit on him from signing after signing him from uh, from the Eredivisie. They've actually flipped him for a profit, even though he's barely kicked a football. Um, you know, I have no idea what to expect. I guess it's another body in the midfield, which is something that they needed, Liverpool, looking a bit light in that area. Um, yeah, you know, Man City brought in Doku and Nunez close to the end of the window. Yeah, I've not seen much enough from Nunez to think that he's going to drastically change their fortunes. I know Pep's been a long-term admirer, but Doku looks really promising. I think he could be a really tricky player. Um, effectively, it's Cole Palmer out and Doku in, which I think is pretty cool. Um, pretty piece of business with, I guess, Mahrez has gone as well, so they've made a net profit in that position. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there's nothing that really stands out as like, a, wow, that's going to change the game um, from, a, from a signing perspective. Um, I think Brennan Johnson could be a really interesting one for Tottenham, though, because that gives them effectively an extra forward play that they didn't have before. And the way in which Postacoglu likes to play is quite, you know, it's quite high energy. And I think that having an extra body to come off the bench that's quality, um, just to rotate things around a little bit, will definitely help them kind of maintain that high press, that high energy. Um, and it just gives them a little bit of something else. So, yeah, they've now got a very, you know, 
it looks to me, you know, we don't want to get too carried away, but it looks like they've spent that Harry Kane money very well in the sense of they brought Madison. Van der Ven looks a very good centre-half. Um, I like the look of him. Um, obviously, Kulosevsky was made permanent this year, which was, I guess you could put towards that Kane thing, then Brennan Johnson. So, yeah, they're, 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 I like what they're doing there. And I think I said in the pre-season podcast, didn't I, that the best thing Spurs could do is sell Harry Kane and actually build a team because, you know, you've been so reliant on one individual player for so long to the detriment of the team. And yeah, he has carried you potentially further up the table than you should be. But at some, you know, it's a team sport. Some At some point in the in the game, in the season, um, or in, in the, you know, the span of Tottenham's history, they're going to have to let go of Harry Kane. And, and that was the right time to do it. And most important of all, it seems like they have the right manager, at least seemingly here at the start of the season. Hope it will kill you if you're a Spurs fan. We'll see if it can continue. Uh, they spent well, and it looks like West Ham have spent the Declan Rice money well um, in addition. And look where they are to start the season in terms of their standing in the table. So let's dig into the game week five fixture list. We'll provide you your feature five, then go rapid fire for the final five games of the weekend. And we'll let you know what our favorite bets of the weekend are in due process. So let's dig in. There's no Friday night football this time around. I feel like we're being robbed of the four consecutive days of football, but we do have three games, uh, three days of games to break down for you. Starting with Manchester United and Brighton. What a game this is. Three. 3 p.m. on Saturday. United coming off a 3-1 loss at Arsenal. But what could have been Garnacho? Like, I can't even show you, like, how close that offside call was. Uh, some pundits believe it wasn't offside at all. But yeah. I'm not how, going um, to the drawing lines debate. I can't go there, Jake. I was going to say, how silly would Gabriel have looked if he'd have, like, tried to play him offside but kept him onside? He would have looked yes. very silly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but he was um, offside. Yeah. Arsenal two late goals, Declan Rice winner, and a 3-1 victory. United have been on a clean sheet in their last three. They have two losses from four games on the Premier League season. And they're away record against the top nine since Eric Ten Hag has taken over. It's abysmal. Just one point from 42 away from home. How does that happen? At home, they haven't lost in the Premier League since the first game of last season. And guess who they played? This very Brighton side. And it was a 2-1 win for the goals that day. Injuries have been... A considerable issue for Manchester United. They've been impacted more than anyone else. They finished with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans as their centre-back center partnership for that Arsenal game. They have the most absences in the Premier League. Amrabat joins. Uh, he left the Morocco camp. Uh, it, it's being called precautionary, but we'll see if he can play a role this weekend. Mason Mount is getting close to returning. Uh, it may be more likely he plays against Bayern Munich in the Champions League the following game. Anthony has left the team for now. The good news is Rasmus Hoyland did play and looks a significant upgrade over Anthony Martial or anyone else they play in that number nine role. And Scott McTominay, the leading goal scorer in, in the Euro qualifying, um, he's back available after he was sick. And Jaden Sancho, who knows at the time of record. As I mentioned, United does play Bayern Munich on Wednesday. As for Brighton, Evan Ferguson, his first career Premier League hat trick for the teenager in a 3-1 victory over Newcastle on the weekend before the break. Bounce back performance by Brighton after losing to West Ham the game before. Brighton have a league best 12 goals scored, a league best expected goals of 10.22. The most shots by 10 over any other side, the second most big chances created, and the third most touches. They're legit, at least in my personal opinion. No clean sheets, however. Both teams have scored, has played in every game, and they've scored four, and four goals or more have been scored in every game that they played in. Uh, Fatih is in line for his Brighton debut this weekend. Ferguson didn't play for Ireland over the course of the international window. He's a little bit of a doubt. Danny Welbeck looks to be a little bit further out than Ferguson. They do play European football as well at AEK on Thursday. Head-to-head, -head, Brighton did the double against United last year in the Premier League, 2-1 and 1-0. They did play to a 0-0 draw in the Carabao Cup before United dumped them out of that competition on their way to going on and win winning it. United haven't won in 90 minutes against Brighton in their last four, but United had won the seven games before that. So how are you looking at this game? Because United simply a different team at home than, than they are away, Jake. Uh, but Brighton, 
they look to be a team that can cause some real problems for this United side, especially considering the injuries that they're facing. 100%, yeah. Um, I I had two bets down for this, and I might still go with two, but I did I did scrub one off, um, which, yeah, I, I'm depending on... I'm very much 50-50 on that as to whether to pull the trigger on two. But I'm my, my main play is basically just to take Brighton on the handicap because, yeah, I, I think that they're going into this matchup. I think they're the better team. Um, I, you know, I, I, some people might think that's outlandish, but I think the way in which United will line up at this weekend, the the, the missing players. I mean, not even just at the back, but as you mentioned, Anthony's not going to be playing anymore. He's your starting right winger. I know they've got Ganache, they've got Palestri who can play, but. Um, for for all the kind of hate that Anthony gets for his actual playing ability, he was doing a, a decent enough job on the pitch. Um, I thought he was a little bit um, underused in the Arsenal match. There's some good um, post-match analysis about that. The fact that they just he was in loads of space one v one versus Zinchenko, and they just weren't passing the ball. Um, and you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And ultimately, players that play high up the pitch are reliant on those getting the ball to them. Um, it's a bit like. In American football, you know, wide receiver is only as good as a quarterback. Yeah. Or the quarterback, the better the quarterback, the better the wide receiver is going to look. Um, and effectively, that's the same as, as Manchester United and their front players, because the way in which Ten Hag wants them to play now is out the back, and he really relies on those centre halves to progress the ball quickly through the lines. And without Varane, without Martinez, and Maguire is okay at it, for, to be fair to him. That's one of his strengths. But the, you know, the, the, the chances of them actually breaking down Brighton's press and playing through the lines actually decreased. So, um, yeah, I think, I just think the, the injuries are for one, but the defensively, even without, even playing the full strength defensive, actually looked very vulnerable in all the matches I've watched them. Um, <clears throat> you know, for, for uh, against Wolves, they were poor. Tottenham, for 45 minutes, they were pretty decent. And then after that, just kind of fell apart. Um, and yeah, against Nottingham Forest, obviously, that, that was just a bit of a chaotic first half, wasn't it? Where... Ultimately, they conceded loads of good chances and Arsenal had no problems as well, um, especially in that se uh, second half. So in total, they've conceded nearly 1.8 expected goals against per game, which is incredibly high. Um, last season, they were conceding around 1.2. So it's hugely up on what we saw at the back end of last season. Um, and yeah, as I said at the start of the season, I do think consistency is a major concern for Manchester United. Um, you know, the, <clears throat> We've seen it in flashes, the potential. Like I said, that first half against Tottenham, they were really good. They could have been one tunnel up uh, and they probably deserve to be based on the, the performances. Um, but apart from that, we haven't really seen a sustained period of dominance. Um, and then, yeah, Brighton, on the flip side, they've shown a lot of consistency since Roberto Di Zerbi took charge. Generally, it's been goals that have featured. Um, but the record against the big teams, uh, so say the, the traditional big six plus Newcastle, so the big seven, if you like, um, it's actually really good. So the last 20 across those games, uh, 21 in fact, because they played Newcastle last week. Um, the last 21, they've won 12. So they've won 12 of 21 against the big seven, which I think is really, really, you know, I don't think people understand how difficult that is. Um, and I think it kind of shows the where Brighton are at the best because they are not afraid to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the big teams. And, you know, against some of them, they are coached better. Um, they might not have the best individual players, but they are coached better. And the aggregate score across that 21-game span um, is 38 to 27 in Brighton's favour. So they've had no problem scoring goals against them either. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to take Brighton on the handicap. It's plus a quarter right now. We're getting a price of minus 104. So there's actually been money for it. And I, I did my notes this morning. So eight, six hours ago, it was plus 101, Brighton plus a quarter. And it's moved to minus, uh, minus 104. So, yeah, I would get on this now because I think this price will continue to shorten. Um, that means if, if there's a, a draw, we get half a win. If Brighton win, we get a full win. Um, and if, obviously, they lose, we lose. But, yeah, they're averaging two and a half expected goals, four per game, which is the most in the league. And, and I think they can really expose this Man United back line. Yeah. Uh, do you want to share what your second play may be or do you want to mull it here? Uh, my, my second play was going to be overs over the line, yeah. 3.25. Well, I'll explain why I, I like over 3.25 at minus 111, because this is Brighton that we're talking about. And this is a United side who hasn't created, ha, hasn't fallen short on creating chances. The problem is being the finishing. And I think that Hoyland looks like he could be a, a real force. We, we're coming off a window where 
Bruno Fernandes was excellent with Portugal, found his goal-scoring boots. Rashford looks like he's rounding into form. And I think that the way that Ten Hag wants to play, it's not going to be so pronounced like it was against Arsenal. He wants to go in and play in transition. And this Brighton side, I mean, they take chances with that press. If you can break it, it can be wide open for United to try to expose this this Brighton side in transition. And for the the attacking football that Brighton have played, they have given up a lot of chances as well. And when mm-hmm. they do give up chances, are really good goal scoring opportunities for the opponent. And United just with Andre Onana right now, the way that they're playing, like it just some of the goals have been of the cheap variety that they've given up. And I'm not sure that that stops coming out of the international break. Now maybe my feelings change if Amberbat is a hundred percent good to go. He can slot in, provide a little bit more protection, but it may be a little bit too soon to ask that much. So I like over the total at 3.25. It's been a winner all season long in Brighton games. I think United, their goal total could be a little, little bit higher than it actually is. So I think that over is a decent play. A minus 111, it, it's worth the play to me. I look to buy it down to three. I just don't think that at the price that's being offered on Pinnacle, it's worth it. So um, 3.25 it is. Yeah, I um, like I said, I was very tempted to to weigh in on that. Um yeah, I, I, I'm going I'm to go with the unit on that as well. I'm going to double okay. up. Uh, I, I had it down. Nice work. A, I had it down initially as two picks. Um, yeah, one unit on each. I, I got to say, I really liked the look of Hoyland when he came on um, against Arsenal. Not just for his all-round play, but just for his presence more than anything. He, you know, he really. Gabriel knew he was in a game when, when Hoyland, uh, Hoyland came on. Um, he was having a very easy afternoon marking Anthony Martial, which. Is no surprise. Um, then all of a sudden he got some big strapping lad who actually wanted to throw himself about. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to definitely improve Manchester United and their attack and the link-up play because you know, having a focal point when you're trying to play that kind of system is is really key. So yeah, I, we don't have um, prices up yet on Pinnacle for goal scorers, but I would be looking at Hoyland to score as well if we think it's going to be quite a high-scoring match. Um, you know, everyone will look at his record in Serie A and look, oh, he only got like a handful of goals, but you know, you're looking per 90 basis and it's really solid um and if you can translate translate that over to the premier league he should score quite a lot of goals in this team absolutely uh, we'll see how it plays out just final thought like the nil nil that in the cup the one nil uh, those didn't seem like low scoring games because there was plenty of chances for both sides in those games as well so the the recent history uh the the, the totals that those games ended up at um, perhaps don't tell the entire story uh, let's move it forward. Also at 3 p.m. on Saturday, it's fourth place. Yes, fourth place, West Ham United. Remember all the doom and gloom? What was that? Just a few months ago, not getting the hmm. transfer business done. Well, it's been a brilliant start to the season for West Ham. A big test, however, as they take on top of the table, Man City. West Ham coming off a 2-1 victory at Kettleworth Road. Their XG, they actually lost to Luton Town in that game, that battle 2.02 to 1.23. Uh, kudos made his debut as a substitute off the bench. Jared Bowen's been off to a brilliant start to the season, hasn't he, for West Ham? Um, and he scored again in that game. Three wins in a row for West Ham. They're 3-1-0 and through four games. They're the 11th in terms of their XG and 9th in their expected goals against. No clean sheets this season, and both teams the scorers played in all four. James Ward-Prowse has fit right in, and we'll see if Thomas Suchek can get back into the team this weekend. Uh, keep it posted. Keep looking uh, for updates on that. But with Alvarez and Ward-Prowse, some of the options that they used... Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Manchester City, a 5-1 victory over Fulham, but certainly didn't feel that way. I mean, there was an offside goal, clear offside goal that was given in that game. That Erling Holland guy, uh, his fifth career Premier League hat trick already. And he's played, what, a season in a couple games? It's just ridiculous. Um, it was a 2 to a 1.46 XG in that game, but five goals is City just absolutely ruthless in terms of their attack. Uh, no pep, no problem. He wasn't on the bench. Didn't really matter whatsoever. Uh, City have the second most goals on the season with 11. The fewest conceded with two. And that's the same with their terms of XG and expected goals against. Second best XG, the best expected goals against on the season. Uh, De Bruyne, obviously, long-term absentee. But Stones and Kovacic are close and could play a role 
this weekend. Head-to-head, 3-0 home victory, 2-0 away victory last season for Manchester City. They haven't lost to West Ham in their last four meetings. West Ham, no clean sheet in their last four. The last time West Ham beat Manchester City in the Premier League was all the way back in 2015. A big test for West Ham here. Uh, They're playing at home. The crowd, the support is going to be up for it. The players are going to be up for it. But does that matter when you're taking on a team like Manchester City right now, Jake? Uh, probably not. I'd, yeah, I, I found it difficult to find a bet in this one that I liked. Um, so I, I've actually got no play. I do think it's going to be, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be as one-sided as what we might expect. But then again, we thought that going into the first day of last season and City went there and kind of strolled to a 2-0 win. Um, I think West Ham have got a bit more about them this time around, though. So I do think that they could take make it close. Um, I was leaning towards West Ham on the handicap, but... Yeah, this you know it, it's one of those where we are st- still so early into the uh, into the new season. Yes, West Ham have got off to a great start, but this is the first big test. This is the first real test. Um, you know, you can beat your Lutons all you like. Um, you know, the Ch- Chelsea in progress. We know that they're not going to hit their stride for another four or five games yet. Uh, the Brighton win was impressive, but I just don't think that Man City will afford them the space that Brighton did. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm quite happy to sit this one out. Uh, I went digging for, for a bet that I like, and the, the number is so good that I can't not make this play. Uh, City to win to nil at plus 182. City simply just don't concede, Jake. Like, they are so good defensively. They just don't give up big chances. And the fact that now they play with these three-setter halves and – and then I've Kyle Walker bombing down. It's just, they're a very difficult team to break down. Yeah, sure, they can go and score goals with the best of them, but it's their defensive play, which I think um, takes this team to another level. And I think they can come out of here with a 1-0 victory. That's fine. 2-0. We'll see. They just In their games so far this season, I've been very convinced with their defensive shape. And that's not some, not typically the first thing that you talk about when you talk about Manchester City, but West Ham, this is where it's going to be a big test. Can Mikel Antonio lead a line that's scoring goals against a team like Man City? I just, it might be a little bit too much of a, too much of an ask. So um, I like City to win to nil at plus 182. That's my play. Full unit play for that one. Anything to add or move on? No, not really. Just the, the defensive structure's been there for a while, hasn't it? And yes. it looks like they've strengthened it again with uh, Gavardio. looks a very solid player. Yeah. And if Stones comes back in this team, it's just, I, I mean, they have so much, so, so much good talent. And they, and they play Bel- Red Star Belgrade in, in the champion. It's not like a, it's not like a massive fixture for them. They play at home. So it's going to yeah. be a big focus on this game. So I think City win it and they can win to nil and plus 182 on Pinnacle. I like that. Uh, that's a bank booster right there. Well, potentially. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, let's keep it going. Also on Saturday, it's a late fixture, 5.30 p.m. Uh, local time. It's Newcastle, who are in 14th. Disappointing start to the season, although a very difficult schedule, taking on eighth place Brentford. Newcastle coming off a 3-1 loss to Brighton. Three losses in a row now. It's that Liverpool loss that stings, doesn't it? You're up a goal, you're up a man, and you're playing at home, and you end up losing that game. That's the one that hurts the most. No clean sheets on the season for Eddie Howe's side. They're only 12th in terms of expected goals and 5th in expected goals against, but they've conceded 7 goals in 4 games. That is problematic, and Sven Botman looks to be out again this weekend. Um They lost to Liverpool at home this season, but last season at home, they did have the best XG and the second best expected goals against, and they need to get back to that platform uh, this weekend against Brentford. Uh, Sandro Tonali missed Italy versus Ukraine. Uh, He looks to be 50-50 this weekend. Almiron also came off for Paraguay in his international fixture, but he looks to be okay as well, but he'll be touch and go to see how much he can play. And if, if, if Botman can't play again this weekend... Dan Burnett, center back, is that really the way forward? They look a little bit light at that position. And they go into the Champions League on, on Tuesday, in the most difficult group, and they play at AC Milan. So a difficult couple of days ahead for Newcastle. For Brentford, they played to a thrilling 2-2 draw with Bournemouth. Big XG in that game, 3.07. Uh, Brian Mubuemo scored again. 
This guy is four goals in four games, and he also scored the game winner for Cameroon against Burundi uh, in African Cup of Nations qualifying during the international break as well. Three hard-fought draws for Brentford, and they blasted Fulham 3-0 away. Um, draws against Spurs and Palace, like they, they, they've been competitive this year, especially answering the question whether they can play without Ivan Tony. I think the answer is an emphatic yes. They're third best in terms of XG, and they're the sixth best expected goals against so far. And both teams to score has played in four out of five in all competitions. Head to head, Newcastle got the better of Brentford last season, a 5 1 victory in this fixture, and they beat them 2 1 away last year. Newcastle won three straight and haven't lost to Brentford in four and the total of over two and a half has gone over in five of seven and both teams to score has played in five of seven. So do Newcastle turn it around this weekend? They were on my fade list to start the season and I've made well, made out well kind of fading Newcastle in these early stages of the season. Um, and Brentford may be an underrated or an underappreciated opponent who they play this weekend. It's not going to be an easy game, even though they're playing at home, Jake. No, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, I, I, again, I don't have a bet in this one. There was nothing I really liked. I, I was looking to get Newcastle on side. I think this is a good bounce-back opportunity for them, but the prices are just not um, what I expected to see. I thought we'd see a little bit of a, a bigger price about Newcastle, given how they've started the season. Um, then I was thinking maybe take on goals, but Brentford have the capability to potentially throw a spanner in the works there um, in terms of keeping things tight. Last season, only 42% of their away games went over two and a half goals. Um, so, you know, that for when, for whatever reason, when they travelled a little bit tighter. Um, and yeah, just looking back at last season, they did lose four of their eight matches against teams that finished above them in the league, which obviously Newcastle did. Um, but they did get a couple of interesting scouts, beating Tottenham and beating Manchester City away from home. So, um, yeah, all of that just had me sitting on the fence and just being, yeah, happy to let this one slide again. I like my Killer Bees. I like my Brightons. I like my Brentfords. I like my Bournemouths. These are some of my favorite plays every <laughs> week. And look, Brian and Bamo, Wisa, Shada, like these players, these are good players. Maybe not household names to the, the average Premier League fan or supporter, but they're good players. They scout well. They're well-managed. They bring in really good talent. I think they're going to be a pain in the you-know-what to play it against this weekend. I like Brentford on the handicap. Give me a full goal at minus 103. So if Newcastle win by a goal, um, you get your money back. I mean, I think this game could end in a draw. It's going to be a look-ahead game. Like the Champions it's a big deal for the Geordies. It's a big deal for Newcastle. But they can't sleep on this game either. It's going to be a really difficult balance for them. I do think that they're they're, they're very thin at at, at center back. Nick Pope was there's been some mistakes there to start the year. I just haven't been convinced by this Newcastle side. I've been very impressed by what I've seen from Brentford. So I'm, I'm hoping that they come away with a draw here. They go up there and get something uh, minus 103. Uh, I, I like that play. I think there's some value there on that number. Uh, so Brentford full unit play. Plus one at minus one oh three. Yeah, it's interesting with Newcastle. The uh, the schedule has been so tough for them. Like yeah. they, they've already played after this game, they'll have played five of the teams that finished in the top nine uh, last season. Um, yeah, and it's just a case of I know you've, you, you're right in pointing out the Champions League game, but this is this is a real kind of launch pad potentially given the fixtures they've got upcoming for Newcastle because after the Brentford game they play. Sheffield United, Burnley, West Ham, Crystal Palace, Wolves. So they've got five games there where you'd expect close to maximum points. Um, and you kind of want to go into that run on the back of a win. So, yeah, I think this is... Yeah, it, it, this is there's so many question marks I have around the game, which is why I don't have a bet. Um, but I do think this is a potential option or a potential springboard for Newcastle worthy to win. Yeah. Could be, or that might be put on hold. The Champions League might be that springboard and into that favorable run of fixtures, which they will be playing Champions League football with games in between. So it's a whole new world for Newcastle and a lot of unknown. But what I do like is Brentford. And my, my bet's more on Brentford than it is completely following my Newcastle fade, if you can follow. Uh, let's move forward to Sunday, 2 p.m. local time. 16th place Bournemouth takes on 12th place Chelsea. Bournemouth, they did come away with a 2-2 draw at Brentford. A tough start to the season with their schedule. West Ham, Liverpool, Spurs, Brentford. Uh, 
they've drawn two games this season, but they're still looking for their first win of the year. They do have the third worst expected goals against consider the opponents that they played. They haven't had a clean sheet in five in all competitions so far and both teams to score in all comps four out of five, lots of new signings, including a Leeds United duo of Adams and Sinistera. Adams remains out. Sinistera will be good to go. Alex Scott remains out. Uh, he joined from Bristol City. Um, so we'll see. It's not a complete team yet, but it looks to be they're moving in the right direction under a new manager. Chelsea, a difficult, it was a devastating one for them. A 1-0 home loss to Nottingham Forest after sh- showing so much promise. A 2.28 XG in that game. Jackson missed a sitter. Sterling couldn't find the back of the net. It was a frustrating day at Sanford Bridge. They do have the fourth highest XG and the third best expected goals against. And in terms of expected points, they're third highest in the Premier League. And they should have, according to their expected points, uh, four more points than they've actually earned on this season thus far. They've only scored first in the game against Luton Town in five games in all competition. That's been a problem, falling behind early, than having to play catch-up. Uh, Lavia hurt his ankle during the international break. I mean, that's a tough one. He's going to be out. Reese James is the other significant miss in the Chelsea side. Head-to-head, 3-1 win at Bournemouth last year and a 2-0 win at home. But before last season, Vitality Stadium was a difficult place to go. Uh, it was a 2-2 draw and a 4-0 Bournemouth win before that. So the travels have been anything but straightforward for Chelsea down to the south coast. Uh, do you have a play in this game here? Because I think they're two really interesting teams. I think Chelsea, obviously, based on what I said, underachieving. And Bournemouth, with a softer schedule, they probably should have come away with something, but the schedule has been a, t- a tough one to start the season. Uh, do you have a play in this game? Uh, no, not to be boring, but again, I've got no bet in this. I've, again, just too many question marks, especially around these two teams with two new managers, um, a whole host of new players that are trying to integrate. And yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know if I'm disappointed with Iriola so far at Bournemouth. Uh, I know you mentioned they've had a tough schedule, um, but the performances haven't been great. The results have been okay-ish, but um, you know, you'd expect they need a positive result soon if they're to get. Um, you know, the, the confidence in, in him around the, the club and make sure that they are, he is the right man for the job. Um, and yeah, obviously the same with Poch. I know they beat Luton, but apart from that, the results have been pretty poor. Um, a little bit of a soft underbelly at the minute for Chelsea. And yeah, um, just massive question marks about both teams. I know I went out on, on a limb and went Chelsea win to nil in the last game against Nottingham Forest. I mean, should have just played, probably played it a little bit safe with the both teams to score no. And I was tempted to do that again because I do think Chelsea's defence is probably their strongest point at the minute. It's just a case of, you know, as I said, they've got that soft underbelly where they get themselves in situations where they've probably got, they just don't have that clutch at the minute, that clutch gene to be able to put teams away. And I think if they had that up top, if they take the chances, I think that the whole everything would be so much easier because they put they back themselves into a corner, as you said, they miss big chance after big chance against Nottingham Forest, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, what what do you do then? It's still nil nil. You've been the better team. More more subs come on. Obviously, Forest brought on a couple of quick players on the break, um, and yeah, you you, you, all, you are always going to concede at least one chance, um, even you know, no matter how dominant you are, and it's just a case of making sure that that chance comes when you're 2-0 up as opposed to 0-0. Um, and I think that's something, they're, they're a young team, they're, they're going to learn, they're going to improve. But yeah, I, um, I'm i still encouraged by what I'm seeing with Chelsea in terms of their actual performances. But yeah, they've not quite got that killer instinct just yet to suggest that they could potentially mount a top four challenge. But I will follow the numbers to make my play this week. And that is Chelsea have been creating chances. The XG is really good. Bournemouth give up a ton of chances and they're charitable in terms of the goals that they concede, if we're going to be honest. But I do think that they have some punch. They do ask some questions in terms of their attack. Overs being a great play this season. We've documented it, how many overs there's been. Over three at plus 106. Let's go. Let's roll the dice that Chelsea break out in this game. Three goals to get your money back. If it's more, it's, it's at a plus number, plus 106. Uh, let's do this. Some goals at the Vitality this weekend. I think that um, 
both teams have the ability to go on and, and make this a little bit of a shootout here. So that's going to be my play. Full unit over three at plus 106. I think there could be some goals here. You, you, you mentioned the both teams to score. That is available on Pinnacle, but it's at minus 160. You know? Yeah. If, if, yes, it's a struggle. Um, I found it a struggle to find anything in this game from a value perspective. As you said, the prices are quite short on certain things I like the look of. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the line's right in terms of three. Uh, I'm not really foreseen there being more than three. Um, personally, I just I don't know. I just, with with this Chelsea team, I'm just not getting the feeling they're going to explode on an attacking perspective anyway. Um, there's too many players up there that just, for whatever reason, aren't putting the chances away. And that, you know, sometimes you have to look further than the data and actually see if they're over a long period of time, if they're actually making their shots worse. Um, so, right. for example, you've got your pre-shot XG. It might be 50% chance of scoring, but if you're then... But in that Forest game, Jake, net, that Forest game, I mean, th- there was... Uh, and the, the chance that these were clear cut scoring chances on the doorstep for Jackson Sterling from the side. Like the fact that Forrest did keep the clean sheet is just, it, it went against what the numbers would tell you. Like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, at the same time, for dear life. two shots on target in total for Chelsea in that match, yes. which, you know, says it all really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's all right. Having the, you know, the, like I said, the XG is one thing, the pre-shot XG if you've got a 50% chance of scoring from a set set point, but then if you miss the target completely, then you've got a post-shot actually of zero. So you've actually got no, you know, like that. that's where the poor finishing comes into it and where we have to look a little bit deeper. And um, it's definitely something I'll be keeping track of. There's a couple of players across the league where, you know, not to pick on him again, but Neil Morpai is one of the worst in terms of converting chances um, and just seeing his pre-shot XG deteriorate by his post-shot XG, whether that be missing the target or whether that be hitting his attempt straight at the goalkeeper. Um, whereas the flip side, you've got the likes of Hyunmin Son, who consistently overperforms his XG, his post XG, because he's two-footed, uh, effectively. And he can hit the, hit the corners with both with power. So, um, yeah, as well as XG from, you know, we, we do dive into post XG, which ultimately tells us who is generally a better finisher, um, especially over a longer period of time. So that's By the something way, that... I will be keeping an eye on with Chelsea. That was Everton, Neil Mopé. Not Brentford, Neil Mopé. That's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hope, at the very least, for my bets and the way that they played out. Uh, Let's move it on to the final match that of the feature five. It's a late game on Sunday, 4.30 p.m. It's 18th place Everton against 5th place Arsenal. Everton picked up their first point and their first two goals of the season an entertaining 2-2 draw with Sheffield United, a 2.74 XG in that game. They've just scored two goals on the season from four games, but they do have an XG of 7.95. They've been creating lots of chances of Sean Dyche's side. Seven teams have a worse expected goals against as well, but still Everton haven't come, come away with a clean sheet yet this season. Uh, Beto started up uh, up front, looked half decent. He's played back-to-back games. I played in the cup game as well for Everton. Denjuma scored. Uh, opened his Everton account. Uh, McNeil is healthy enough to come off the bench as well. So they're starting to get some players back. But Harrison still just not there, getting closer after his move from Leeds. Calvert-Lewin, I'm going to say he's likely to play with this facial injury, but who knows? It's Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Arsenal, <laughs> best performance of the season. 3-1 over Manchester United. Odegaard, Rice, Jesus with the goals. Their third win from four. Look to be the Arsenal side that everyone or most people expected them to be this season. They're undefeated, but also three of their games of their four Premier League matches have come at home. They're second in expected points and their XG and expected goals against is right where it should be in terms of what the production has been thus far. They play home to PSV on Wednesday in the Champions League. Party out with a groin injury. Gabriel dealing with a little bit of a thigh, but he should be available and good to go. Head-to-head home wins for each last season. Everton 1-0 at home. Arsenal 4-0 at the Emirates. Everton have won the last three meetings at Goodison Park. And they're undefeated in their last five with four wins over Arsenal in that process. So could we see that kind of script? Arsenal traveling to Everton and struggling this weekend? Or do they continue to build on their form that they showed against Manchester United? What do you make of this fixture, Jake? 
Yeah, this is this is always um, a tasty fixture, just mm. purely because of that record you mentioned there. For whatever reason, Arsenal always seem to struggle at Goodison Park. Um, whether it's you know the style of football Everton play, they don't like to deal with it on that what is a close proximity pitch, fans knocking around, you know, within shouting distance, um, or there's something else that as soon as they cross that line. Um, to get into Merseyside, they just kind of I don't know, just don't feel it. But it is it's a, it's a big sample size. I know there's been there's been plenty of different managers as well who's overseen those those results. You know, Lampard, Dyche, um, obviously with the result last week, that was actually his first game in charge when they beat them last season. So it's not just it's not just you know one manager that's got that's outfoxing Arsenal and Arteta. It's quite a few. So yeah, there may be something there, and that had me swerving Arsenal in this match from a handicap or win perspective. Um, I'm just going to focus on the goal line, really, because, um, yeah, I, I've, I'm very surprised to see the goal line oh, at three, but to see the price available on the unders at minus 120 was massively appealing to me. Um, for a couple of reasons why. As I mentioned at the start of the show, the couple of matchups this this weekend where you've got a team that don't that are generally quite a defence-first team anyway, that are more pragmatic um, in Everton, um, they don't really have a set style. They don't really, you know, they're not an expansive footballing team that will play in that expansive manner against everybody. They just pick and choose the games to have a go at that. So, like the Sheffield United game the week before, that was a game where they were like, okay, you know, we're they're worse than us, so we can open up a little bit and have a bit of a go, and it resulted in quite a high-scoring game. This is much more of a case of right. We it's almost a bit of respect. We need to respect Arsenal. We're going to sit deep, and that's our best chance of getting a result. Which it probably is, to be fair, is to sit deep and counter attack with Dan Juma and Beto. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm firm, firmly of the belief that we can rely on Everton being defence first in this game. Um, and yeah, while Arsenal they've conceded a few goals this season, I think it's four goals in four games, but the defensive figures have been really solid. They've got the second best expected goals against per game um, this season, just 0.96. So the process is strong. Um, you know, there's a couple of goals that perhaps shouldn't have been scored. Was it the one from Fulham that was scored from miles out? Love the goalkeeper, for example. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're a strong defensive unit. I would be surprised if Everton did score. Um, and, yeah, just from away from home, Arsenal. I had to look this up because I had a feeling that this was the case. But 11 of their 20 away games since the start of last season have gone under two and a half goals. So 55% have gone under 2.5. Um, and so that obviously means that it let it, under three won 11 times out of 20 um, across the last 20 matches and it pushed three times. So it's only lost six times when Arsenal have travelled. Um, and, you know, you add in the fact that this is generally a tough place for them to go anyway and that Everton will be playing a more defence-first style of football. I'm quite happy to stick a unit on the under. Uh, and this is definitely one of the games I had in my mind straight away when I saw the slate uh, as a potential to oppose goals. I'm going the other way. <laughs> I appreciate over. everything that you said. The way that this Everton Everton team is played, and I don't know why I've watched so much Everton football to start this season. They're brave. They're physical. They're strong. And to be honest, Jake, I look at this Arsenal back line. R- Ramsdale hasn't looked assured. I, I don't know if it's bringing in the second goalkeeper that, that that's affected them. Their fullbacks, neither one of them on either side for me. I know that Ben White's come back in, but the way that they're using them, I just, I don't think that they're great defensively from that position. It's like so much reliance on Saliba. And I think that Everton can cause some problems. I do. I think they play direct. I think they play physical. I think that's a type of group that can maybe cause some problems. And Arsenal, it wouldn't surprise me if they score three goals themselves on this Everton side. Because they have Ashley Young at left back. They have a slow center back pairing. And this Arsenal team looks clinical right now in the way that they're attacking. So I'm buying it down, actually. It's going to be on the Asian handicap. Over 2.75 at minus 123. That that's an, So I'm hoping that it does touch that three goals and you can at least get a half win. It could be more. It's just it's based on style of play this year. This hasn't been a typical Sean Dyche side that sits back and just soaks up the pressure. Uh, I, I'm not sure that... I'm not sure if it's by design or based forced based on what he has. And this Arsenal side can score three goals against anyone any week. Just th- that that's how good that they've been from an attacking perspective. So I, I get everything that you're saying this season. Again, the overs has been the play and let's go over 2.75 a full unit minus minus one twenty three. So 
Yeah, my, my only counter-argument to that is the case, you know, saying that Everton have played a different manner, is that they've played rubbish teams to play they have. They have. They've played Fulham, they've played Wolves, they've played Sheffield United, and, you know, they got spanked by Villa. Um, those are the games they're going to have to play, especially Wolves and Fulham at home. They're going to have to play an expansive. They're going to have to play front fucks. They're the games they need to win. This is very much a case of, I think anyway, revert back to the old Daishian way, park on the 18-yard line, make sure there's not any space in behind Tarkovsky and Keane, because they are slow and they are, you know, easy to turn, um, and just make it difficult for Arsenal. Try and hang in there, and nick a goal. That's exactly. I think it's if they play that way. They're going to. It's not going to. I just. I. I can't see them surviving. Worked last I, season. I, it. It did, but this season things have been playing out a lot different, and I, I. I do think that they do have some players that can get in and play in transition. And to be honest, against United. Last week, Arsenal did look vulnerable in transition against Fulham. The week before, they looked vulnerable in transition. That that's where Arsenal do have some questions that need to be answered. They can take the game to teams, but they, can they defend in transition? I don't know. I, I I think there's a potential for some goals here. So I'm looking at the total too. We'll see if this weird Everton versus Arsenal uh, trend continues. But I focus. You know, I prefer to focus on the goals here. So all right, our first. Kind of head. Do you want to make it official head to head? You want to make it an official head to head? Let's let's yeah, let's yeah. make it an official Jake versus Gareth head to head this weekend. Are we setting it at two and a half then? Under two and a half, over two and a half. Sure, that that's fine by me. Yeah. Yes, done. Because obviously, if it's a, if it's three, then it's a tie for me. But these, yeah, these are my favorite games. All of a sudden, this has become my favorite game of the weekend, Jake. <laughs> So, I'll be are we watching. up at a couple of the units as well? Is it that? that no, I, I, I'm just going to go with a full unit. Uh, so I won't be watching NFL on Sunday. I'll be watching Everton Arsenal to start my afternoon. Um, <laughs> you've got the you've party. got the good end of the bargain as well. You're cheering yes. on goals. I'm cheering on just no, just kick it out, just <laughs> kick it out. No referee, blow the whistle. Come on. Yeah. Typically, yeah. Sean Dyche has delivered that over the years, so you, you should feel confident. Yeah. So I will uh, shave my head and and trim the beard as well to just in proper Dyche style. And you got to start delivering your. A <laughs> little bit more of a grovel in your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go rapid fire for the rest. Wolves and Liverpool to kick off the weekend, 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, Van Dyke suspended. Kanate still out. Uh, Alexander Arnold dealing with a bit of a thigh. Should be good to go. Uh, do you have a play here? Uh, nope, no bet. Um, massively put off by Liverpool away record. I know they beat Newcastle yeah. um, this season, but just in general last season, won six, draw five, lost eight. Um, yeah, they're still showing a vulnerability away from home when travelling. 1.7 expected goals against per game across that 20 game span, 21 game span now. Um, and yeah, even against Wolves, even against Wolves, that's enough to put me off. Um, I was looking at both teams to score, but that's extremely short, minus 154. The goal line looks a tad high for me as well to get involved. So happy to leave. Uh, no play for me. We're, we're back on the same page, pal. It's good to be back. Same thing at Anfield, different story away from home. Um, even against Wolves, I, I just can't make a play. I just, I, I didn't find a number that I liked. Uh, Fulham against Luton Town. Fulham have the highest expected goals against. Uh, Luton Town has the highest expected goals against per game at three. It's ridiculous. 19 goals conceded combined. I think you know where I'm going with this one. How about you? <laughs> Similar, I, I hope. I'm going for both teams to score at minus 114. So, yeah, I'm, I'm presuming you're taking the overs at minus 113, which, yeah, it, either of those I think will work. Both teams will look at this as a game they can win. I definitely think Luton will have this down. I mean, they, they've had a fairly tricky start to the season. I do think, you know, playing um, Brighton, Chelsea, and then West Ham at home, and West Ham are probably, I rate them higher than Fulham. This is probably their easiest game so far this season. And as you said, Fulham defensively just shambles. Um, so if, if Luton are ever going to get a chance to win a game, this is a good one at the moment, at this moment in time. So yeah, BTTS is where I'm going. I'm going over two and a half goals at minus 113 uh, for all of those yeah. reasons. So, and we'll see. Polina coming back, we'll see where his head's at after the international. A window, but um, there's goals to be scored in this game. So let's have them. See all the overs that continue to make those plays. Uh, <laughs> Spurs and Sheffield United. Spurs second place, 11 goals scored is the second most. Sheffield United second worst expected goals and expected goals against. 
yet I'm not making a play for this game. I just can't find a number that I like. How about you? Um, I'm actually, this is another game I want to take the under, under three at plus 111. Um, yeah, maybe it may sound counterintuitive against a team that's just scored five away at Burnley, but I do think that the, Burn, the way in which Burnley set up and the way in which Sheffield United set up are polar opposites in terms of what Spurs are going to expect. Um, Burnley, open up, have a go, leave spaces for Spurs to exploit because they go toe-to-toe. Sheffield United, I fully expect to sit in their own um, 18-yard box and really try and frustrate Tottenham. Um, I think they're going to keep it tight. I can see it maybe being a 2-0 Tottenham. Um, obviously, winter nil came into my thinking, but at plus 126, you know, the, taking the under goal lines, slightly um, shorter price, but, you know, there's a little bit less less risk just in case it does end in a 1-1 or anything like that. So, um, yeah, they, they, they will frustrate Tottenham for a while, I think, but Spurs should end up getting the job done. Um, yeah, I, I've gone for the under three because I just think... Yeah, this is. I think this is just one of those games. You know, if it was any other opponent, it'd be the, it'd be the over all day long. But I think the line is probably just a little bit wrong. All right, uh, Aston Villa and Crystal Palace. Do you have a play in this game? Yep, um, I had two written down actually. Again, similar to the Man United game. Uh, I'm definitely pulling the trigger on Villa to win um, at minus, well, minus 109. So it's moved since the since I did the notes. I did the notes, it's minus 104. Um, Villa are a really scary prospect at home. They've won all the last eight matches in, in, at Villa Park by an aggregate of 18 to two. They've kept six clean sheets in those matches. Um, and since Emery took charge, they've won, uh, I think it's 10 of 14 at home. So really, really strong home side. Um, I'm, they yet, Palace are yet to play a team who finished in the top seven last season since Hodgson reappointed. So that's away from home anyway. Um, so it's really it's tough to gauge what we're going to get from Palace playing against a good team away from home. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is a stern test. And I think this Villa, this Villa price is probably not short enough for me, which is why I'm taking them to win. Wow. Should we make it two head-to-heads? In one week, Ooh, you're taking taking Villa on. Well, I'm taking Palace on the on, on the spread, plus half a goal at minus one hundred one. That means that a draw would be good enough for that play that that bet to cash. And I think that Palace can go to Villa Park and come away with something here. This Villa team is a or this Palace team is a, is a pain to play against. And I would consider going away to Brentford and coming away with a one one, a, a kind of similar opponent in terms of what they're going up against. They played Arsenal decent enough. They only lost by a goal. And you know that the world rates Arsenal. This Palace team, don't sleep on them. Like, good center backs. Uh, They're well-managed under Roy Hodgson. Um, They don't have a whole lot of depth the way that things are right now with Elise uh, Elise out. But coming off an international window, I think they're okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. Give me Palace to basically win or draw at uh, minus 101 in this game, a full unit play. So, shall we make it? You want to go yeah, two well. head-to-head? Yeah, yeah, two head-to-head. All right. Official plays, two head-to-heads. Yeah. And finally, some Monday Night Football, Nottingham Forest and Burnley. Um, not the most sexy Monday Night game. Burnley's been no, really, really struggling. Uh, Forest, they, they sell Brendan Johnson, but I still think they have enough in attack. I'm going to go over two and a half goals at minus 108. Burnley's been shipping them for fun. I think they need to come out and play a little bit more aggressive. You know what I think of the Nottingham Forest goalkeeper? Not very good. Um, But I do think that they can still score goals, this team. So over two and a half at minus 108. Uh, I am going to go a unit on Forest minus a quarter on the handicap at minus 110. Um, Burnley, granted, I've had a tough start to the season from a schedule perspective. This is their first very winnable game. But Forest's home record is the reason they stayed up last season. Won eight, drew six, lost five. Uh, and obviously started with a home win against a fellow promoted team of Burnley, Sheffield United. Um, and yeah, I just think this is a real interesting clash of styles where I would probably give Forest a little bit of an edge because I don't think they're going to be too worried about sitting back and counter-attacking with the likes of Gibbs White and a one year. And I think that'll be something that may catch Burnley out. So um, I'm, it, it's a tentative play, but I'm still going to make it a full unit 
on Forest, which means that if Forest win, we get a full win. If they end up in a draw, we get a half loss. And obviously, if they lose, we lose our full unit. But um, yeah, I think uh, I've seen enough from Forest so far this season to suggest that they could be <clears throat> not a surprise package, but steer clear of the relegation zone um, with you know a room to spare. Excellent. Uh, so that's the board this week. Uh, I've made eight official plays. How many plays for you? And if you could share your favorites or the bet that you like the most this weekend. Um, I think I made seven plays because um, I doubled up on the United game. Uh, my favorite play is, is Brighton on the handicap at minus 104. Um, okay. That's the one I really like. Look of. I, I think I like the city to win to nil at plus 182. I think that that's where you're getting the most value. And I think it's a likely result this weekend. Uh, follow along with Pinnacle's socials to find a visual graph of our plays each and every week. Make sure you tell your friends about the podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify or watching on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, like, tell your friends. Uh, keep the buzz going as we're looking to continue to turn in profit here week after week on EPL Insights. This is Pinnacle's 25th anniversary, 25 years, um, offering the most competitive odds in market over the course of those 25 years, um, everyday competitive odds in the Premier League and beyond. Bet smart, bet Pinnacle. Jake, it's been great to get back together with you. We also have our UCL, the Champions League betting blueprint that'll be available in short order as well as the Champions League gets up and running next week. So plenty to dig into, plenty to get involved with here over the course of the next few weeks when it comes to the footballing calendar. Uh, Jake, great work as always. Where can people follow along with your fine content and weekly picks? Uh, at jcos on twitter two zeds and sportinglife.com is where you can see all the tips that i put up wonderful myself at gareth wheeler gareth.wheeler on instagram that's all for this week join us next week best of luck jake except for those two head-to-head yeah, matchups for the head-to-head and yeah. we'll see how they play out uh thanks for joining us this has been epl insights provided uh with their stats provided by understat and once again provided by pinnacle <laughs>